0: It's the Pete Calliner show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Calliner is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for listening. I do appreciate it. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast as well. And if you haven't, you can just go to the com click subscribe. And then the program gets delivered right to your smartphone or tablet every single day. You don't even have to do anything. It's just there. Well, as soon as I publish it. Uh, also want to thank patrons of the program, such as Lisa and Jolene, WC, Caddy, David, Mark, Lair, Krista, Sam, Dustin, Deborah, as well as Lori and Tom. Thanks so much for becoming patrons. I could not do the program without you guys. Uh, you can become a patron as well. Just go to the thepeetcalendershow.com. There's a link there at the top of the page. You click on that and you get exclusive content like the weekly live streams as well as the uh, ever popular bumper stickers, which are those are limited now going to be doing some new bumper stickers in the future here. And so when the current crop of stickers are gone, uh, that's it. They're gone. So they'll they'll become collector's items like stamps going to. Uh, drive up the cost the price rather of the uh, the original run of bumper stickers (laughs) so if you have some of the originals uh, you might want to i'm just saying hermetically steal them maybe frame them Uh, i don't know what they're going to be worth someday but they might be worth something who knows Um, the ncaa board of governors has issued two statements here both of which have applications and relevance to north carolina the first is and they were issued uh, within 10 minutes of each other uh, yesterday so the first was about the transgender participation in sports topic and then the second is a statement on voting rights so uh, I'm going to get into the uh, I'm not going to really get into the voting rights issue uh, so much so let me just read their statement here and then go right to their uh, transgender participation uh, uh, statement because well there's some developments there so first They say the NCAA steadfastly supports the right to vote as an ingrained principle of American democracy. They believe that everybody should have a fair and equal opportunity to exercise that right. As a higher education association, the NCAA encourages civic engagement and actively promotes voter participation, particularly with student athletes for decades. Our member colleges and universities and their students have taken action to support voting rights and voting practices. We are proud of the great many athletes who have been leaders in voter registration and turn out the vote efforts. Recently, many of our schools took steps to ensure that college athletes can take advantage of Election Day unencumbered by games or practices. So they gave everybody the day off. That's what that means. Um. We will continue to support student athletes in efforts to expand voter participation. So all of that is basically nothing burger, right? It's like, yay, voting. We like voting. Voting is good. More voting. Okay. Um, And now the uh, the final sentence here. While voting integrity is essential to the election process, an equal and fair opportunity for all Americans to vote cannot be diminished in any way. And we wholeheartedly support efforts to assist all in exercising this fundamental right. So uh, this is really no position on anything specific, no specific law, no specific policy, right? They're not adopting a position on any particular law. They're giving this sort of nebulous, incoherent kind of a statement that says voting integrity is essential But an equal and fair opportunity for all to vote cannot be diminished in any way. Well, in any way, what does that mean? As I've gone over before, every single rule designed to ensure voter integrity or or election system integrity, security, right? Every rule designed to ensure security is in and of itself a diminishment in the area of access. It has to be this is the tension you have this is the inherent tension between liberty and security right this is the rub and it always has been the question is how do you balance it so what they've done here is they've laid down some sort of a marker and i'm not even sure i mean i'm i don't know maybe they do because they they ran this thing through their lawyers and i suspect that's why it doesn't really mean anything is they wanted to say something without actually saying anything so they say an equal and fair opportunity for all americans to vote Cannot be diminished in any way, but they don't tell us what those ways might be. So we'll keep that on the radar because obviously that's a response to the voting laws that have been proposed, you know, the Georgia law and the North Carolina law. So it does have some relevance to us, but they have not come out and specifically identified North Carolina's law. And honestly, they shouldn't because North Carolina's law is pretty benign, Uh, doesn't actually do this. So uh, that's the first statement. The second statement, though, is on. Transgender participation, okay? The NCAA Board of Governors firmly and unequivocally supports the opportunity for transgender student-athletes to compete in college sports. Okay? Fantastic. I'm not sure that anybody is objecting to that. Transgender athletes, student-athletes, can participate in college sports. This commitment is grounded in our values of inclusion and fair competition, now, these are actually at odds, though, in this scenario. On this issue, these are these two uh, again, these two principles are in conflict to some degree. There is a tension between these two inclusion and fair competition, <clears throat> because if you were to include, let's say, everybody in one wrestling cohort. Right. Let's say you're going to say uh, from now on, all collegiate wrestling is just going to be you know, everybody who's a wrestler. And we're not going to separate people out by weight class. This is like an intrinsic part of the wrestling sport that you have to separate people out by weight class. Same thing with boxing, by the way. You separate weight classes. Well, why do you do that? Well, that's to maintain a fair competition. Okay, but a totally inclusive uh, competition would mean that you would be able to fight whoever you want to fight, right? Right. Like if I want a shot at the heavyweight title, shouldn't I be able to fight the heavyweight champion? Well, but Pete, he's much bigger than you. He's also trained and uh you're not, Pete. <laughs> and he's really really strong. And you're not, Pete. But okay, aside from all of that, like shouldn't I be able to compete against that person of my choosing? Wouldn't that be the fully inclusive course to take here? So, so the, the, these two principles are in conflict to some degree, and you're trying to strike a balance between inclusion and fair competition. And so that's actually the question here. And it, it's not about hate, and it's not about uh, you know discrimination and all that. It's about what is and what is not fair competition. So this is about the, uh, like North Carolina has the Save Women's Sports uh, uh, legislation that's been proposed. Uh, I interviewed the proponents of the legislation, the the two female athletes who uh, helped, you know, unveil this legislation a couple of weeks ago. And this is not we're not the only state that is seeing this. And why are we seeing this is because we are being made to care. I've gone over this before. After the gay marriage ruling at the Supreme Court, there was, you know, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in lobbying and political muscle that had to be directed someplace. And transgender issues is where it has gone which makes sense because it's LGBT, right, issues. And so when you took care of the big LG issue, and I guess B issue, uh, when you took care of that, then the last one is the T issue, and here we are. So now you've got states that are pushing back on this because states are looking at their high school sports levels, and they're seeing boys transitioning to girls and then competing against uh, anatomical biological girls. And when they do, they seem to do very well. (laughs) They seem to do quite well. And these lawmakers and a lot of parents and a lot of the athletes, they don't think that's fair competition. Hence, this principle that the NCAA purports to uphold of fair competition, it is in conflict. There is a tension with the principle of inclusion. Okay, so they say inclusion and fairness can coexist uh, for all student athletes, including transgender athletes at all levels of sport, our clear expectation as the association's top governing body is that all student athletes will be treated with dignity and respect. Okay. See, this is the other thing too. They they equate any kind of uh, regulation or any kind of restrictions around this uh, this issue as some sort of an attack on dignity and respect and being disrespectful rather than looking at it for what the proponents are looking at it, you know, their perspective is they're trying to protect the integrity and the fairness of women's sports, All right? So it's not, it's not uh, an attempt at being disrespectful or um, uh, undignified. They're not trying to insult you. They're simply saying, we think that these kids over here deserve fairness too, so we're going to try to protect that. Now, what they don't include in this statement is, again, any specific position on policy or any law. This is just sort of a shot across the bow, I take it. And oh my goodness, the left is celebrating this shot across the bow. I'll get to that in a minute. First, Mattress Man. Everything seems to be getting a lot more expensive these days, but Mattress Man is giving you more bed for the buck. Uh, They want to give you essentially a free upgrade. Okay, So if you want to get a queen, you can get one but it's only going to cost you the price of a twin. If you want to get a king, get a king, but it's only going to cost you the price of a queen. It's a free upgrade, okay, from Mattress Man. This is a great deal from MattressMan Man, mattressmanstores.com. They have got four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden, including the new location on Airport Road and the IHOP Shopping Center. So go check it out. When you do, tell them that I sent you. And remember to take advantage of their tax refund deal. No credit needed. You basically sleep in the mattress. You're going to have it, and uh, you're not going to pay anything until your tax refund comes in. How great is that? They've got tons of flexible financing options, like no interest for up to two years. Okay, they are the exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection made by Restonic right here in North Carolina. Get free local five star delivery service and a 120 day comfort guarantee. They do ship nationwide, experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local and sleep better. Now, the NCAA says that its policy directs that only locations where host cities and venues where the hosts can commit to providing an environment that is safe, I mean, except for like on the field activities because I mean playing football for example, is not exactly safe. but for everybody else they want their you know they want their uh, their fans and the student athletes when they're not on the field to be safe, healthy and free of discrimination. that, that these are the places that should only be selected. places that are free of discrimination. OK, we will continue to closely monitor the situations to determine whether NCAA championships can be conducted in ways that are welcoming and respectful of all participants. And I find this interesting because the NCAA is actually in the business of discrimination, right? They, they discriminate themselves and well, they do. They, they segregate based on sex. They they do they they segregate based on uh, uh, you know, college sizes right divisions right that's discriminatory why just not let everybody play together why do some you know sports teams and colleges why do they get to participate in like the big bowl games make all the millions of dollars and other teams don't it's because the college size right so that is discriminatory any standard that you set is by definition discriminatory. Because you're precluding certain entrants from participating in whatever it is that you're doing and you're setting criteria, right? I mean, entrance exams to your schools discriminate because if I don't score high enough uh, or maybe I'm the wrong race, in this case, like, you know, Asian trying to get into Harvard, like that's, you know, you're going to get discriminated against. And the NCAA doesn't have any problem with that. I suspect they're not going to have any problem whatsoever in holding competitions at colleges that discriminate against Chinese-Americans, for example, Asian-Americans. I, I, I suspect they'll have no problem with that. See, so they're very selective in what kinds of discrimination. So. Here's the uh, here's the battle line now. And we knew this was coming uh, with HB2 and all sorts of other things. I mentioned yesterday the big Zoom call that occurred with the 100 corporate leaders where they're essentially um, uh, they're organizing, they're colluding to uh, to pick targets. Republican states. Right. This is what's going on. They are now actively engaged in partisan warfare. And this is the, the, the trade-off here here is that you see when, when corporations and companies in general and businesses were just like, look, you know, we'll get along with anybody. We're just pro business. And then they were made to care, right? Then they were like, well, no, I'm a millennial and I'm a Gen Z and I care about the ethics of the business that I want to support. And so then it became all these businesses started becoming hyper focused on what's our mission? What are we about? How do we appeal to people and tell them like we're good so this is now a part of the corporate culture. And so now they're engaged in partisan warfare. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means that once you pick a side, you've now made enemies of the other. And now, the and what's really ironic in all of this is that the party that was most aligned with your interests, you've decided to target. And now, do you think they're going to be inclined to help you? The, the the trumpian wing of the republican party is now completely on board with taxing the ever loving hell out of you and i honestly can't like honestly like why would i object to that you're participating in politics and there are consequences for that when you pick sides in the culture wars in politics in policy there are consequences And so this is going to be one of the consequences. Democrats would very much like to raise taxes on corporations, and Republicans are always against that. Well, you know what? What if that opposition goes away? In fact, how about this? Let's make the Republican Party the party that doubles any proposal the Democrats uh, make on increasing corporate taxes. Let's have Republicans double it. Why not? What's the limiting principle? What should it be? I mean, Democrats always talk about how high the corporate tax rates were back when Kennedy was president and how we really should go back to, you know, the 70 percent, you know, tax rates and stuff. OK, the wealthy folks. OK, let's. how about that? Let's soak the rich. Like, why? Why do you think that the Trumpian uh, populism would not lend itself very easily to soaking the rich and that rhetoric on the left? They're not libertarians, (laughs) right? Trumpists are not libertarians. They're populists. So good luck, corporations. I mean, I hope it's worth it. And I'm sure, you know, in their mind, their calculation is that the Democrats now with their 50 vote to 50 vote tie, plus one in the Senate, that they've got all the power to do whatever it is that they want. And I guess they see themselves as, uh, you know, working hand in glove uh, in a fascistic arrangement with the uh, with the government. Because that's what happens. You get these big ministries, right, in the government, and then they're controlled. Their you know, industry is dominated by one or two players, and they use the government in order to, you know, gain competitive advantage and all of that. And so, a lot of these big corporations are very happy with large government being uh, in power, as long as they are in the good graces of that government, and if it's a mutually beneficial, you know, arrangement. And so, th- it looks like you've got like the NCAA. They're essentially making this. Uh, making this proposal to us, to Americans. As Pedro Gonzalez, he's a writer at American Greatness, he says they're saying that they're daring Americans that these organizations, the NCAA and the corporations that run the Zoom call, that they are too big to take on or too big to fail, and we have to go along with basically whatever they want, or else... or else they take away the the sports okay deal like really like you're talking to people now and i don't know how many people there are in this cohort but you're talking to people who literally see these things as the future of the country like this is existential to the foundational core of what the nation is about this is a it's a like a It is. It's a liberty versus security kind of a thing. And you're saying, you know, you better do what we want or else you're not going to be able to watch basketball in your home state. And these people do not care. They quit watching the NFL because people were kneeling. (laughs) Now you're going to try to extort them to say, no, no, no. You've got to accept our policies on uh, transgenderism or else uh, we're not going to play a game in your state. I don't think that's a winning argument for a lot of uh, for a lot of folks on the right anymore. And there, it's th- that number, by the way, is growing larger with every one of these types of actions. This comes from Judd Legum, who is uh, just a complete um, jerk, let's say he's just a total jerk. And what he does is he seeks out. Uh, conservatives libertarians people on the right businesses on the right he seeks them out for destruction to destroy people and businesses and he does this uh through campaign finance reports and he just did this to seven members of the north carolina general assembly who are running the uh the bills on the transgender access as well as the new bill called the youth health protection act and he has gone and pulled the campaign contributions to these seven senators that come from corporations. And the point here is to target these corporations for a pressure campaign to get them to pull their money. And then this is supposed to convince the Republicans to back off because money is the you know mother's milk of politics. That's the play. And it's the same play that they've been using for 20 years, but they get amplification by local media. I'll give you an example of it in a minute. First, if you're thinking about trying some CBD products, then look no further than Growers Hemp. These are North Carolina farmers, okay? They control the whole process from seed to shelf. And that means you get better quality, lower price, and you're helping to save North Carolina family farms. Uh, I take Growers Hemp full-spectrum hemp extract, a couple of drops before I go to bed. I sleep more deeply than I ever have before. And I can tell when, like, I forget to take the drops before I go to bed. Especially if it's like back-to-back nights, if I forget that, Uh, I can tell. Like, I do not sleep through the night without the drops. And what's nice is when I wake up, I don't feel all, you know, like you get with uh, when you take sleep aids or something like that over the counter. I don't get that uh, that medicine head feeling, the grogginess at all. Go to growershemp.com, use my name Pete for 20% off and as with all CBD products, here's the official disclaimer that I got to give you. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any disease and nothing I've said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible com- Complications before using any product. Go to GrowersHemp.com promo code Pete GrowersHemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. So the other day, Travis Fain, the you know capital reporter for WRAL TV in Raleigh, uh, he retweets Judd Legum. This is the former you know Think Progress guy, and Travis Fain says this is a good breakdown here on corporate money flowing to General Assembly senators on the transgender bill. The problem for these companies. These are key senators. Ralph Heise is the number two GOP Senate leader. Joyce Kravik is, is a key senator on health policy. And Paul Newton is energy and tax policy. Warren Daniel, taxes and election, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But what Travis does here is he amplifies Legum's attack. And Legume goes on, like in his, and by the way, I don't care if I'm mispronouncing his name, I think I actually am. <laughs> it just sounds funnier when I say legume <laughs> like he's a vegetable. Seven members of the North Carolina Senate have introduced draconian anti-trans legislation targeting children, adults and medical professionals. Right? You always got to you always got to frame it like this. It's an assault, it's an attack, right? Not not protection of kids. That, that that's not the point here, obviously. It's not the protection of a child who may be under the sway of super woke parents who are virtue signaling to society that they are more woke than you. They are more inclusive and understanding and open and caring than you. They're cooler than you. That's what so much of this is, by the way. Nobody ever really wants to talk about it. And I know I risk getting deplatformed, simply mentioning the, the other side of the arguments. I mean, you've got people who have written books about this topic that have had their books taken down from Amazon because of it. Because they're not towing the line on what the left wants transgenderism to be about. I've said this before. I view transgenderism as the same as anorexia, bulimia, transabilism. I do. Because, first off, I cannot imagine, I always have to say this, I cannot imagine the pain and disruption, uh, you know, inner disruption that you must suffer to have gender dysphoria, to think that, you know, a part of your body or some, you know, inherently intrinsic uh, part of your body is not you. I don't know what that's like. There are people who believe that they are supposed to be blind. They are. There are. I've read stories about them over the years. They, they have some sort of an affliction that they believe they should be blind. And they blind themselves. Now, is that something that our society should encourage? Should we tell people to go out and blind themselves because it's the only way that they can sort of, you know, quiet the voice in their head that says you're supposed to be blind? You're blind. Are we supposed to encourage young girls who are uh, under the, you know, misguided impression that they are fat and they keep, you know, making themselves throw up? Should we uh, encourage that kind of behavior? No, no, no. If you think you're fat, even though you're like, you know, 42 pounds, um, you should just totally keep on starving yourself and making yourself puke. You should keep doing that because, you know, after all, what you think in your head, that's the thing that's most important. This dysphoria, there are trans people who think that uh, this arm, this appendage doesn't belong and they'll chop it off. There are people who confine themselves to wheelchairs. They cripple themselves because they think that they are disabled, that they should have been disabled, but they don't know why they're not. And so in order to uh, to, to make this coherent in their brain, they wound themselves. Should we encourage that as a society? Right, that's the fundamental question here. And what the lawmakers are trying to do is to say, look, when when it comes to kids, like when you're an adult, you can do what you want. But when it comes to kids... We have a responsibility to make sure that they don't start down a path of life-altering decisions that, uh, that they may come to regret. And in fact, studies show many do. And so that's the question, but we're not allowed to ask these questions because we have to just accept the premise of the left. This is baked into all of these discussions, and I I harp on it all the time because it's so important. It's critical to understanding how we engage in debate is that media accepts as the fundamental assumption that the position of the left is true and it is coming from a place of honesty and uh, essentially, you know, apolitical motivation. That is inherent in this debate as well. So now you've got Judd Legum targeting seven lawmakers, well, targeting the corporations that have donated money. And some of them, it's not even a lot of money. Like Liberty Mutual gave a $1,000 between seven different lawmakers. Like, all right, so we're going to cancel them now. Oh, by the way, Judd Legum denies there is such a thing as cancel culture. Yeah, get to more of that in a minute. First, if you are getting into a new house or you have an expectation of doing so, then call my friend Rowena Patton uh, and her All-Star Powerhouse team, and they will find your next dream home in the mountains. Or if you're looking to sell your home, you're in luck. She outsells 99% of the realtors in North Carolina. She's the only agent that uh, I ever said I would use. And now that we are buying a house, she is the only agent that we are using. Well, she and the All-Star Powerhouse team, because you get the whole team working for you. 333-4483 is the phone number. MountainHomeHunt.com is the website. Again, 333-4483. Give Rowena Patton a call and then start packing. So Judd Legum says the Senate Bill 514 bans anybody under the age of 21 from receiving gender-affirming treatment. See, see, that that's the language. It's all about the language. You control the language and you control the debate. So this is gender-affirming treatment. Right. As if there was some mistake someplace and that this affirms the gender, including reversible hormone therapy this is what he calls it. Reversible hormone therapy. Now, uh, I suspect that there is a bit of a disagreement about this. Now, I don't know if we're allowed to have this argument in today's, you know, non cancel culture culture. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if we're allowed to have this debate, but the lawmakers clearly outline in their bill, Senate Bill 514. They clearly talk about the different long-term effects Um, among the known harms they say from puberty blockers is diminished bone density. The full effect of puberty blockers on brain development and cognition are not yet known. though reason for concern is now present. There's no research on the long-term risks to minors of persistent exposure to these puberty blockers with the administration of cross sex hormones comes increased risks of cardiovascular disease, thromboembolic stroke, asthma, COPD, and cancer. I would submit those might be non-reversible things, right? These are long-term impacts of the decision. Puberty blockers prevent gonadal maturation and thus render patients taking these drugs infertile. Well, that doesn't seem very reversible at all. Introducing cross-sex hormones to children with immature gonads as a direct result of pubertal blockade is expected to cause irreversible sterility. Studies demonstrate that hormonal and surgical interventions often do not resolve the underlying psychological issues affecting the individual. Right. So the, the, these types of, quote, treatments don't even yield success. They don't solve the problem for a lot of these people. And so this is what they're getting at, by the way. They also uh, say the use of puberty blockers for gender nonconforming children is experimental and not FDA approved. OK, so keep that in mind. Right. As everyone's talking about all oh, the, the medical people are saying, like, just like with the covid vaccines. Right. They're practicing this stuff. They're doing this stuff. These are the long term clinical trials. Apparently, <laughs> we're, we're watching them unfold. Um, And there are people who have some questions about it. And just like with the climate change debate, when I first started wondering, well, wait a minute, why do they keep trying to shut everybody down that disagrees with them? When one side tells me this is settled and then they try to prevent you from asking questions that challenge anything about what they're saying. Now I have suspicions that what you're actually doing is propaganda and it's not promotion. Right. It's not informational purposes only. You're not trying to persuade. You're, you're trying to shut up, right? You're trying to get the other side to shut up. So then they list, Judd Lagoon lists Duke Energy, and he says, you know, Duke Energy touts that they walk the walk over the last three years. Duke Energy, you know, has uh, done all these things, you know, pro-LGBT, and uh, they've also given $75,000, though, to the sponsors of this bill, making it the top corporate donor. Right, well, that makes sense because uh, Paul Newton is energy and tax policy. And that's where they that's where Duke Energy spends its lobbying dollars. In response to a request for comment, Duke Energy told Legume, quote, it is firmly committed to supporting diversity, but does not always agree with the legislators it supports. Duke Energy says its primary focus is North Carolina's clean energy transition. So imagine that. Imagine that Duke Energy has as its top priority clean energy transition. That's its primary focus at the legislative level. Right. Which I I'm not sure I believe that, but (laughs) that's what they say, and that's their focus, and they don't agree with every lawmaker on every position. Is that allowed? Is that allowed nowadays? Do I have to agree with every lawmaker on every position? Is that required now? Because it seems like that's the standard Legume is trying to set here. Speaking of setting standards... Old Grouch's Military Surplus has set the standard for real U.S. military surplus in Western North Carolina for over three decades. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're located in downtown Clyde on Main Street. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. Real U.S. Military Surplus shop is open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. Tell Tim I sent you and ask him, what's the deal with the anti-aircraft gun? It's a great story. Also, 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So this list, this is a hit list that Judd Legum has compiled of all of these corporate donors to seven Republican lawmakers who have introduced this bill uh, that's called the Youth Health Protection Act. And at top of the list is Duke Energy, Blue Cross Blue Shield, McGuire Woods, United Health Group, BB&T, Charter, Reynolds, Anthem, Wells Fargo, Nationwide. But um, like a lot of these are, you know, a thousand, a thousand, 1750, 2200. There's only about I don't know, a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten that are over ten grand, right? So, and that's among seven different members. Okay, so 35 total donors to seven members. That's what we're talking about. But he says this is a list of the top corporate donors to the sponsors of one of the most extreme anti-trans bills in the country. For updates and accountability journalism, sign up for my newsletter. This is what they call it accountability journalism it's cancel culture, they, they call it accountability, what they want to do is to force corporations to stop funding their political opponents because their political opponents disagree with them, and so they're going to use corporate timidity and cowardice as a weapon against the Republicans, because the Republicans were always sort of friendly with the business community and corporations and such So again, I'm not sure corporations, you better think this through, although just given past history, they never do. And they always end up going with the tyrants, the authoritarians, and then they get eaten also. Like that's, this is the alligator getting fed. You know, you're feeding the alligator in the hopes that it eats you last. And the end of that story always ends up with the alligator eating you. You just get eaten last. And so, and and then you have regrets about it. Uh, I look at the Chamber of Commerce deal down in Charlotte, where they played both parties, Republicans and Democrats, they you know, in fact one uh it was after Pat McCrory, the mayor, uh did not run for re election after like seven terms, last Republican mayor, and there was the, the race to replace him was John Lasseter and a Republican and um Uh, Anthony Fox, the Democrat, and they were both city council members. Lasseter had been elected at large, countywide, citywide, like very popular Republican guy and uh, very popular with the chamber. And the chamber didn't want to have to choose because they liked Anthony Fox, too. And they knew a lot of Democrats liked him. And so they refused to say, we like this guy more than this other guy. They wouldn't do it. And Lasseter, with all of his experience versus Fox at the time, Lasseter lost. And uh, the chamber had a role in that. And then guess what? The Republicans continue to get blown out. The Democrats are ascendant. And now they're doing all sorts of stuff down there that the chamber hates. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> That's, you're getting eaten now. That's what it looks like. Um, here is the piece by Rob Schofield at uh, NC Policy Watch, the leftist publication, uh, talking about this. Uh, the two bills, one is the Save Women's Sports. Uh, he calls it the badly misnamed Save Women's Sports Act. Is literally based on the premise he says that transgender women are simply men pretending to be women. That's in which that's a lie. It's that's not true. I've read the bill. I've talked to the proponents of it. Uh, it's not. Uh, it, it's it's not an accusation that men are pretending to be women. No, they think they're women. That That's like, I'm not disputing that. You believe you're a woman. Okay. Now let's proceed from there. Now, do you demand I accept your truth? Because that's not the truth. And I hate, like, this is, yeah, this is the kind of stuff you say this sort of thing, and this is what gets you deplatformed. And I realize I'm walking this line now. But... To simply state the way you feel about something internally, that therefore I have to adopt that as the truth, that's asking a lot. I've said this example before, Um, you know, my full name is Peter and I go by Pete. And if I tell you that my name is Pete and you keep calling me Peter, I'm going to take it at some point as 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 an offense, right? Like you're trying to offend me. If I correct you at some point and you persist in calling me by the name that I don't want to be called by, then yes, it's like, that's offensive. You're being uh, antagonistic. So when someone tells me their preferred pronouns or name, I will attempt to use them because I don't seek to be unnecessarily antagonistic or offensive. Okay. But now if you're going to tell me that because of your truth now I have to do different things, and I have to accommodate certain things that I disagree with. Well, that's a different thing altogether, right? If it means now that I have to allow, uh, you know, my niece into a shower, communal shower, with you, when you are a man who thinks he's a woman or she's a woman, right? If if you're a trans woman, I'm not going to allow my niece to shower with you in a communal setting, right? That's where the line is for me. This is the public accommodations aspect of this. That's where the line is. And, and, and the answer, obviously, this is what the left is pushing for, so this is what it's going to be, is everyone's going to have to uh, rip out all their bathrooms and everything, and you're going to have to do individual stalls, um, individual rooms, right? Or you're going to have to create like seven different bathrooms, like, I, like, that's where this is going. The building costs are going to be astronomical. You think it's hard to renovate now, wait till you have to add multiple bathrooms. Um, or one, right? You just make one bathroom with one toilet and everybody uses it. And everybody has to wait in line. Right, which then poses this whole other question, like, because men can go to the bathroom much more quickly than women, right? <laughs> Especially like sporting events. And yeah, what's going to happen when you start consolidating all the bathrooms down? This was, see, these were the kinds of questions that were actually complex and uh, important and were never addressed actually in the HB2 debate in North Carolina because everybody was just like, you're a transphobe. And that's what we're getting now. Um, Rob Schofield says that the bill specifically states that sex shall be recognized based solely on a person's reproductive biology and genetics at birth. Right. They're keeping the definition of what sex is. So you guys are trying to redefine sex and gender and conservatives, hence the name conservatives. They are not interested in going along with your rewrite of the language on this because it means so much more than just rewriting the language. This is what a this is what a pushback. This is what a fight looks like. Right. You you have to understand, folks on the left, uh, they think that that the other team doesn't get a turn at bat. Right now, they think they just get to play offense all day. And, and to be fair, they have for a very long time. So I understand why they have this idea that they get to just constantly take their turn at bat and they never have to defend because the right has been just, you know, pretty bad at going on offense. So I would submit this bill, Senate Bill 514, is offense. That's what this looks like. This is the Republicans fighting back. Here's what the bill does, according to Schofield bans anybody under the age of 21 from receiving gender-affirming treatment, including reversible hormone therapy. So the talking point has gone out. This is now reversible hormone therapy. See, so they they keep wanting you to believe that these things are reversible. But what the Republican bill says is some of this stuff is not. Some of these things are not. And you don't even know what the long-term implications are for some of these treatments that you are demanding children get, right? Right. Do we allow kids to drink alcohol? Why not? Because it alters, fundamentally, it alters their growth, right? It does long-term damage to their brain development. It does does long-term damage to their physical development. So we do not allow kids To do drugs. We don't allow them to drive cars. We don't allow them to do a a great many things because they are not mature enough to make these decisions. But when it comes to puberty blockers, we're supposed to believe that an eleven year old knows that that an eleven year old is qualified to make that kind of a decision. And no, I'm like, well the parents would guide them. The parents like I, I I don't want to make any blanket accusations on parents. I almost did there, but like every parent is different. So I don't want to go down that path. But, um, and I recognize not having kids. Like I offer the best parental advice ever. (laughs) So I, I'm going to avoid that. I'm not going to go there. However, I will just say this. I don't think it's in the child's best interest to be doing these things to the kid because if they ever change their mind, they're going to be really, really, really screwed up. And by the way, they're going to hate you for it. You know, they're going to hate you for it. Um, here's something you're going to hate. If you were in the market for uh, a stand-on mower for your business or something, you're going to hate if you miss this deal at General Equipment Rental. You can save $3,500 on a Husqvarna V548 or V554. They've got two different deals that the manufacturer is running. And because General Equipment Rental is an official licensed Husqvarna Equipment sales and service provider. That means they know all the deals and they know which ones work with each other. They get access to special deals. Uh, this, deals this is what it means when you're a specialist, okay? And they know uh, this insider stuff. And so they've paired together these two deals, and it ba- and it leads to a thirty-five hundred dollars savings on the stand-on mowers. So if you're in the uh, market to pick up a new stand-on mower, and uh, whether it's you know for your business or maybe you got a large piece of property. This is a great solution. Go to General Equipment Rental. Go to their website, generalrents.com. You can see the deal there. Check out all the inventory. If you go to the store, tell them uh, you heard it here on the show. I appreciate that. They are your stop, your source for all of your equipment needs. They're uh, not just Husqvarna, but also Honda, uh, official licensed service and uh, sales provider. Uh, They do equipment service and repair as well. And... Uh, They can get you hooked up with chainsaws, trimmers, hedge clippers for rent or purchase. Go check them out, generalrents.com. General Equipment Rental in Weaverville uh, at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental. Think outside your toolbox. Now, the Rob Schofield piece at uh, ncpolicywatch.com I thought was pretty interesting. At the very end, he says that uh, this attempt... You know, is 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 foolhardy. They shouldn't be doing it. Those evil Republicans shouldn't be doing this. He says an important factor to be found in the in, in this is the rapid growth and influence of the LGBTQ equality movement itself, even during the HB2 saga over the bathrooms about five years ago. Advocates at national equality and civil rights groups, like the Human Rights Campaign and the ACLU, regularly ran circles around defenders of the law when it came to driving media coverage and public opinion. Really? So you guys are able to drive media coverage and public opinion? Interesting, because I was always under the impression when you listen to a lot of reporters talk that, you know, they're just neutral bystanders here they're not involved in driving any narratives or influencing public opinion they're just here to tell some stories and look if you're able to make your story better uh then i guess you win of course when the reporters see themselves as you know comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable uh then uh, they are picking sides. And again, the premise of the you know the narrative is that the Republicans are bad and the Democrats are good and their arguments are the same. And so uh, if you're approaching your stories and coverage with that built-in assumption, that built-in narrative, then I guess it does make sense on why uh, folks at the national level were able to drive media coverage and public opinion. And look, I was in that fight, okay? And it was brutal. It was nasty, and there weren't a lot of us on the right that were able to engage in it, because when it comes to um, when it comes to creating simplified and dishonest slogans, the left is very adept at this. And you just heard one of them, where I just I just read to you. This is um, uh, the they're already branding this as you know uh, re- easily reversible, including reversible hormone therapy gender-affirming treatment, right? They adopt these, uh, these cliches, right? They, they construct these dishonest frames of issues, and then they constantly hammer away at it. And when you have a media that's willing to just amplify the message, like Travis Fain did with Judd Legum, then uh, it's very easy to see how you have uh, one side able to drive media coverage and public opinion. The Moral Monday uh, marches is another perfect example. I mean, every Monday they're going out there and marching and marching, and at some point it's not newsworthy anymore. If it's happening every Monday, is it really news? <laughs> right? And, but but to the media it was, even though it was the same story every single week. They did the same coverage every single week they would do this, because they wanted one side to win that argument. A lot of the reporters are more sympathetic to one side of this argument. Um. He says, uh, last week's powerful national media event featuring women athletes made clear this is an advantage that's only grown more pronounced. And then there's the likely stance of corporate America. As journalist Judd Legum journalist, made clear yesterday... Uh, several major North Carolina corporations have now become associated unintentionally with the Senate Bill 514 because of their campaign contributions to the bill sponsors. No, the these campaign or these uh, corporations, they're not associated with the campaign with the Senate Bill 514. You did that, right? They've picked a target, freeze it, right? And now everybody sees they've got. Every, oh, here are the here are the businesses. Let's just pound them. That's what they're doing. They're not associated. You did that. You guys associated these, cor- these corporations with this bill, even though the corporations had nothing to do with the bill. They were making corporate donations to politicians because that's what they do. And now you want them to pick sides. You want them to cut off all the money to your political opponents. And if that's the game, then you should expect corporations. You guys should expect retribution. You should. You should expect Republicans that you're targeting now to uh, to exact vengeance on you. Oh, but well, Pete, that's not the proper role of government. I agree. It, they shouldn't be doing it. But I don't think corporations should be doing what they're doing either here. So that's where we are. <laughs> this is what it looks like when, they, when everybody's playing Calvin Ball now. This is what zero-sum fight to the death looks like, right? We are here. I don't like it. But you're talking to people that now believe this is the point of no return. We are at it. And this is coming from a person who, like, I am, I am more, you know, status quo protector. I'm more conservative when it comes to this stuff, right? And you've got one political party that is weaponizing everything to destroy its opposition. And uh, they are emboldened and empowered right now. And they are running on a clock. They know it's going to expire in a year. They've got one year to destroy as many people on the right and as many organizations and institutions and corporate connections and all that. They they only have a year to do it. They're on the clock. And so they're going as far left as quickly as they possibly can. Uh, Let me shift gears here because the mention of HB2 is sure to come up again. When former Governor Pat McCrory makes it official that he is running for the U.S. Senate seat, Uh, worst kept secret (laughs) in North Carolina politics here. Pat McCrory, the former Republican governor of North Carolina, is planning to launch his campaign for the state's open Senate seat. According to people familiar with his plans, this is at politico.com, the former governor, who won the office in 2012 and then lost reelection in 2016, would begin the primary in the race to replace retiring GOP Senator Richard Burr as an early frontrunner. McCrory has been expected to run for Senate for months, but he has not publicly indicated that a decision was finalized. He is expected to formally launch the campaign this week, He's making an announcement, uh, I think, tomorrow on his radio show in Charlotte. And uh, according to Politico, he's been assembling a state and national team for the campaign. Okay, and uh, recent polling conducted for him shows that he would enter the race with a large lead over Mark Walker and Ted Budd, as well as extremely high name ID uh, identification among likely Republican voters, according to a copy of the polling memo that was obtained by Politico, probably from McCrory's camp. (laughs) That's the thing. When you have some good polling and you want people to see it, you leak that stuff out, right? You don't ever leak out the bad polling. (laughs) Um, Ted Budd, uh, he's a congressman also in North Carolina. And this was sort of interesting, like the the rumor was that Ted Budd and Mark Walker had a deal where uh, when they got redistricted after the court rulings and they got put into the same district and Walker said, OK, I won't run for the seat again. And he basically let Ted Budd have it with the understanding that uh, Walker would want, would run for U.S. Senate and Bud would not. But now, apparently, Bud has been kicking the tires on this, and uh, I suspect Mark Walker is not very happy about it. Walker uh, immediately welcomed Pat McQuarrie into the race before McQuarrie actually entered the race um, by sending out a series of tweets and Facebook messages. Uh, first, he says, uh, this is Congress, former Congressman Mark Walker, with taking back the Senate majority hinging on our success in North Carolina, why would we gamble on Pat McQuarrie, a career politician? Politician who has lost more statewide races than he has won. McCrory has routinely attacked conservatives, including President Trump. If Pat wasn't good enough for Trump's administration, he's not good enough for North Carolina. I am running to provide North Carolina with its first real conservative senator in years. At 97%, I was the most conservative and pro-Trump member from NC and would be the top member in the entire Senate. And he posted the same message over on his Facebook page uh, as well. Now, Democrats, they've got a bunch of candidates over uh, in their camp as well, running for Senate. You got uh, State Senator Jeff Jackson, former State Senator Erica Smith, Sherry Beasley, the former Chief Justice of the state Supreme Court. She's expected uh, to run and could launch a campaign very soon as well. And uh, there's also former NASA astronaut Joan Higginbotham, who has never run for elective office. Uh, also, we've got the story that Madison Cawthorn in the 11th Congressional District out west here, uh, he's now got a Republican challenger in his primary, uh, Asheville Republican Wendy Nevarez. Nevarez's profile on LinkedIn says she holds a master's in public administration and that she cl- uh, she's a claims specialist for the Social Security Administration. Uh, Smoky Mountain News Corey Valencourt reporting that her personal Facebook page says she's a Western Carolina University graduate. I can confirm that. Uh, well, I saw her Facebook page and uh, has been was an E6 in the U.S. Navy from 2001 through 2017. Voter records show Navarez voted in Pasquotank County from 2008 through 2012 and in Buncombe County thereafter. And I have double checked this. Her uh, her voter card Shows her voting in Republican primaries in 2010, 2012, 2013, 16, and 18, but then she voted in the Democratic primary in 2020. Now, there's only one way you can do that, or two ways, rather, you can do that is you've got to get out of the Republican Party. So I don't know if she was an unaffiliated registered voter all those years, and then just became a Republican registered voter in order to run for this seat, or if she was a registered Republican all those years, voting in the Republican primary, and then uh, left the party, registered unaffiliated or Democrat, voted in the Democratic primary, and now has re-registered as a Republican. So I don't know what the answer is. Maybe we'll get some clarity at some point in the campaign. Over on the uh, Democratic side, Eric Gash. Uh, longtime Hendersonville High School educator and former Bearcats football coach. He has now thrown his name in the hat to run on the Democrat side for that seat as well. So it is heating up and that is a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it remember go to the com and subscribe to the podcast and uh, we'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.